You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. How's everybody doing? It is Wednesday, May 25th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. I am your host, Carl Reed. Luther Campbell was a successful rapper, entertainer, and now makes a career as a successful high school football coach. Leading Miami Eats in high school on the football field, Uncle Luke is not only a big proponent of football in South Florida, but a huge supporter of the Miami Hurricanes. He joins me on today's episode to talk about the youth's comeback under Mario Cristobal, but also about NIL and minority representation in college football and the NFL. So without holding you any longer, Here's my conversation with Uncle Luke. Luther Campbell, legendary high school coach out of Miami, Florida, entertainer, Miami Hurricane, great in terms of his support that he's given the Miami Hurricanes program and head football coach at Miami East in high school. Luke, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. What about yourself? I'm doing great, man. I can't, I can't complain at all. A lot of people don't realize because people probably know you from different levels of life. You've been through a lot. You've been a a big time rapper, award winning artist, a producer. You've been around the Miami Hurricanes. A lot of people don't know that you also have been a very successful high school coach. You also run one of the best youth programs in the country out of Miami, Florida. So you've been around. You've accomplished a lot in life and been very successful in a lot of avenues. What was the motivation behind you, why you were being an entertainer on starting your youth program first? Because there's been a lot of great players from Miami have come out of that youth program. First off, thanks for having me on uh, your show. I guess the answer to the question is, you know, I was one of those kids grew up in Liberty City that, um, you know, got bust to Miami Beach to play football. You know, we would get home 11, 12 o'clock at night, and it really wasn't about uh, academics at the time. It was more about us going over to South Beach and playing football uh, and making their program great. And so I always said when I get a couple cents over my lunch money that I'll start my own youth program, and I did that. Uh, with Liberty City Optimus, you know, this like our 32nd year right now. You know, and after that, and I always said once my career kind of died down, I'll go back out and coach at the park, you know, not knowing that I would eventually end up with some of my kids uh, in high school. So, you know, I've been in high school for almost 15 years now. It's something that I love. I love being a mentor to these young men, you know, helping them achieve the goals that they want to achieve through hard work and dedication. Now, Luke, everybody knows about the back and forth between Nick Saban and Jimbo last week. Nick made some comments about Texas A&M buying their recruiting class. Jimbo came in and defended his position. What's kind of your take on that and NIL as a whole? And has it gotten out of hand a little bit or is it fair game? Do you know my whole take on the NIL thing? I think I'm I'm probably the architect or one of the architects of it because I was the first one accused for paying University of Miami players for play. I've always thought that college players should get paid, but under control. You know, the whole thing with Nick Saban and uh, Texas A&M and him making a comment about Dion, I thought it was unjust. I thought it was in bad 
taste. That was the second time that he made a comment about uh, Jimbo. And then at the same time, to bring Jackson State into the equation as if they're the only one of the only other team that's participating in NILs when you could talk about UCLA, you could talk about USC, you could talk about Oklahoma, you could talk about Texas. All these other schools are, are involved in participating in NIL deals for their players, which, are, which is a great thing. And, you know, I just, you know, I just think it wasn't done in bad taste. But at the same time, you know, the NCAA, once they lost their fight to allow NILs to NCAA sports, I just think they dropped the ball from the standpoint of regulating it to a certain degree. You know, the courts, you know, rule that, you know, kids can get paid, you know, for their name and likeness. I just think the NCAA, you know, just got upset. You know, start pouting and just let it become a free-for-all, which I think it is. And now they're trying to regulate it because the God, Nick Saban, has something to say about it. Has it leveled the playing field, though? Has it given some schools the opportunity to get kids they otherwise wouldn't be able to get because they can't offer the financial assistance? I think in a sense, it hasn't leveled the playing field. I think it's the wild, wild west. I think the rich is going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer. And that's just the nature of the beast. It's going to take people like what Dion is doing at Jackson State to be able to compete. It's going to take what John Ruiz is doing at University of Miami to be able to compete. And I think what Nick's problem is, those kids that he would normally pluck out of Florida, that's in jeopardy right now because you got a John Ruiz, you know, at the University of Miami that's giving these kids NIL deals. And we know a lot of these kids come from blighted communities, blighted families, situations, and they need money more than anything in the world. And that's something I said 30 years ago, you know, and uh, that makes it a little difficult for Alabama where a kid would just go to Alabama just to go there because he feels like that is the direct road to the uh, NFL. In some cases, yes, the, le- the playing field is level. And then again, there, there are historical black colleges. You know, if they don't have a Deion Sanders or a booster putting money within their program, the goalpost is just going to move farther back, in my opinion. You and I have had these conversations before. What do the HBCUs need to do to close the gap? We obviously, Dion is leading the way with Jackson State, but will we ever see a situation where the top prospects will seriously consider HBCUs as a whole, not just playing for Dion? I mean, the HBCUs, you need to take advantage of this, this prime time opportunity that they have. And Deion Sanders bringing notoriety to HBCU schools. I mean, just last night I was looking at their their spring game on TV. That never happened in the history of that I know of where they show a HBCU spring uh, football uh, scrimmage on TV. I mean, the SWAC needs to the, the SWAC as a committee needs to take bold steps. They need to go out and seek a contract, a television contract. Start there from either ESPN or one of these other networks. They gotta they gotta threaten them. They gotta say, look, you know, we will we will get out of the NCAA. We will do they they gotta threaten them with some type of leverage because when you look at African Americans in this country, we're a trillion dollar business. I mean we spend trillions of dollars into the economy. That is not met with the same sponsor and same same support that white institutions receive, whether it's through 
Frito-Lay or Chick-fil-A or any other filet, you know, we're, we're not taking advantage of those opportunities that are out there for us. But I think it starts with a lucrative TV contract, no different than the ACC, no different than the PAC, no different than the uh, SEC. And just go at it from that standpoint. Now they could then take money and put it into their sports programs at the same time, given being able to uh, get paid coaches, higher salaries, get better coaches, you know, and just put them on a level playing field, you know, when it comes to competing against the PW schools. Now, we transition the conversation from HBCUs every year during the hiring and firing season, the coaches movement in college football and the NFL. The conversation comes up about minority coaches not getting opportunities or when we do get opportunities, them not lasting very long. Brian Flores filed a lawsuit against the NFL. What needs to happen for more African-American and minority coaches to get the opportunity to be head coaches at not only the college level, but the NFL level? I think, you know, minority coaches need to take a bold step. You know, African-American coaches need to, again, I mean, you got to take a couple of steps back before you can go forward, but you got to take some bold steps. You got to seek out African-American representation, number one, you know, because what's been holding African-American coaches back their representation. I mean, they get represented by CAA, they get satisfied, and CAA represents Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, and every other prominent white uh, high-paid coach, and those Black guys are satisfied that they're represented by CAA, thinking and hoping that that would keep them a job. Yes, it will keep you a job within their system, but as far as advancing yourself to the next level as head NCAA coach at a prominent PW school or head coach at an NFL team, those things are not happening because they just don't have respect for the black coach because the black coach is just settling. And when you settle, then they'll just recycle the same black coaches that you have within the business and they'll give them jobs. And anybody that's rocking the boat, they'll weed them out. They'll tell their coaches that they represent, don't hire this guy because this guy is not a part of our good old boy system, and that's where you at. And so we'll have this conversation, us as people, concern concern citizens as to why. And then every now and then you'll have a Brian Flores jump out the pack and then complain about the situation. You know, it'll get traction because it is something that's out there. But the mass majority of Black coaches, they, they're satisfied with where they're at right now. We will hear more from Uncle Luke when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
What advice would you give to African-American high school coaches? I was speaking to a group of high school coaches and a lot of them felt discouraged that they didn't understand how to get opportunities to move on to the next level in advance. They felt like when it was time to go from high school to the college level, they felt like it was an insurmountable task for them. What advice would you give to a young African-American high school coach that's trying to break into the college game? I, I mean, the advice I would give them is, I mean, something that we put forth here in South Florida where we wanted to advance uh, African-American high school coaches, and we did advance quite a few of them when Manny Diaz was coach, Al Golden was coach, whether it was the head coach at Florida State, uh, you, you name it. I mean, we, we pushed the needle of basically saying, hey, look, if you want our players in South Florida, which we know the best football players in the world come from, then you're going to have to then give our guys, some of our coaches, opportunities who are prepared and ready to go. We know them. We respect those guys. And they did give those opportunities. But I would say to those guys, you as a community, you have to put down on on these institutions that are coming in there recruiting your players. The coach has to have that hard conversation with the head coach when that head coach come and recruit the area and say, hey, look, Joe Black, my guy, guy my staff need to get an opportunity. You know, um, what can you guys do and then you collectively as a group within your community of coaches you know then you know make the decision whether you want to support that school or not if they come in there if Florida State's coming there to get a player that means Alabama that means LSU that means everybody is coming to get that particular player from your school so it's just a matter of getting the respect and demanding the respect but at the same time I would say when you do get that opportunity don't get like some of the coaches here in South Florida that has got that opportunity and you only recruit from the school you came from. That's unprofessional, I think, uh, because that takes a bad light on it. That is something that we're going through right now uh, here in South Florida. We got a lot of guys opportunities. We got a lot of guys coaching jobs in college, but those guys are only really offering and, and giving kids or the schools that they came from opportunities. You can't do that. That's unprofessional and that causes a problem. One of the things you just said is you say the best football players in the world come from South Florida. So we got the Florida Gators, just brought in Billy Napier. Obviously, University of Miami has brought Mario Cristobal back home. And then we got Mike Norvell at Florida State. What do those coaches in those programs need to do to keep the Florida athletes at home to bring their programs back to national prominence the way they once were? They need to stop playing politics, give jobs to guys who know where the bodies are buried at, you know, give opportunities to coaches from those areas and coaches that are coaching on the, on the NCAA level who, who, are, who are very familiar with the areas in which they're recruiting. I, you know, I would say out of all three colleges, it's still wide open, even, even with some of the great coaches that Mario brought in, but it's still somewhat wide open when it comes to recruiting. You know, nobody really has that coach and there are coaches available that could go into the inner city of South Florida and go in and get that kid out of there. We all know that the Canes is your team for life. Can the Miami Hurricanes get back to the national championship level with Coach Cristobal and the staff that he's put in place? Can we expect to see the Canes rise back to the top? You know, realistically, in three years, they should be there. But still, they, they still need that guy in the 10 or on the staff. And as we know, they're getting ready to change the rules. They still need that guy that has a connect within the inner city of South Florida, whether it's 
you, you know, in, in Dade County, because we know most of the top kids coming from Dade County and they're going over to Broward County to play ball. You still need that plug and that that will help them get there a lot faster. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I see it three years from now. I know they're going to outcoach everybody in the ACC. But then when you get into that playoff, you're going to have to you're going to have to coach against the best of the best, you know, and play against the best of the best. And I just see it being a lot easy if they were to get some of these coaches that can secure some of these kids. Now, come on now. Uh, you said they're going to outcoach everybody in the ACC. You know, Clemson's still in the ACC, right? Well, Clemson lost all their coaches. They lost their offensive coordinator to Virginia. They lost their defense coordinator to Oklahoma. So Clemson, I like Clemson. You know, Dabo is a cream of the crop when it comes to coaching. And I know he's going to get his, his group ready. But at the same time, that's still a, a, a wait and see situation. You know, we got Charlie Strong. We got Kevin Steele. We got Mark Cristobal. We got Mirabal. We got, you know, the number one uh, offensive coordinator in college football last year. So we have a stacked staff. At the same time, so I think we'll get around co- out coaching a lot of people. Pittsburgh lost his quarterback, you know, and his receiver, you know, so that throws them off. And, you know, in North Carolina State, they're going to be competitive. Wake Forest is going to be competitive, but they just don't have the talent that we have here in uh, Miami. Let me ask you this. If the Miami Hurricanes win a national championship or in their college football playoffs, what does that mean for the city of Miami? How important is that to the people in the community of Miami? I mean, that's very important. I mean, we demand the best. We know we produce the best talent in, in the country when it comes to football. So we expect University of Miami to win national championship at Miami. No different than we expect FIU to win its conference championship. That's what we expect. What will happen if that happens, then kids will be, you know, recruiting Miami. And Miami won't be recruiting them. You know, the the changes, then it won't be a struggle of trying to convince a kid, why should you go to Clemson or why should you go to uh, Alabama when you can stay home and get all that and some? It will be a totally different situation. But it's important for us and every other city to win a national championship because it just it does so much for football here. Last question I'm going to ask for you, Luke, then we're going to get out of here. You mentioned earlier when we were talking about black coaches with representation and needing to have more black representation. Now, you've been a trailblazer in music and a trailblazer in sports. Could we look forward possibly in the future to seeing the Luther Campbell representation agency where you represent coaches, where you are representing maybe even players? Could we see that in the future so you creating opportunities for coaches? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think about it all the time. You know, I just, you know, when I want it, when I do something, I do something to affect it and do it at a, at the highest at the highest level. I, you know, I wouldn't play with any any coach or player's uh, life or career. You know, when they expect me to do a job, you know, if they were to hire me, I was somewhat involved in the marketing aspect with my former wife and her agency when we had uh, Devontae Friedman and Duke Johnson and a few other players and we did good. We reset the market uh, when it came to running backs and they made tons of money in marketing. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I know I can do it. You know, I would love to take on that challenge, but I just got to find the right time to do it within my schedule. You know, I would love to go and fight 
you know, for for these African-American coaches to get a better opportunity by going sitting, if I got to go sit in at a president of a university's door and put the feet to the fire of a head coach at one of these schools to hire these these guys, I would love that challenge. I mean, that's what I'm all about. You know, I don't like anything easy, I guess. That sums up my life. I like the difficulties of, you know, breaking down barriers. And so, you know, there there will be a point in time where I just say, okay, I want to represent coaches. You know, I'm somewhat, you know, unofficially represent my players because now NIL, you know, I have players that are going to these universities, which they have the best of the best at Miami Edison because they got a they got a coach, but then they have a coach that knows how to do, negotiate uh, major marketing contracts as well as any other contracts. So they got the best of, of both worlds at our school. So I'm kind of somewhat involved in representing players when it comes to them making the decision of what deal is good. Uh, so I'm kind of pushed into that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm going I'm to find time that I'm going to represent these coaches because I think they're underserved and underrepresented. Um, we want to thank you for coming on here today. Um, thanks for spending some time with us. We know you're a busy man and you have a lot going on. Uh, we appreciate you for coming on the College Football Daily today. Hey, man, I appreciate you, man. Keep doing uh, these great things that you've been doing. Big thanks to Uncle Luke for coming on the College Football Daily. He's accomplished so much. He's doing a lot for football in South Florida, and you can tell when he talks just how excited he is for the Miami Hurricanes. For Luther Campbell and our producer, Lance Glenn, thanks for listening to the College Football Daily. We'll talk to you again on Friday.